and the sky for a moment. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Green Pole podcast. I'm Dan Crawford. I'm the editor of Hamian. I'm in a very good mood um, for very obvious reasons. It's full of absolutely obliterated Crystal Palace yesterday in a stunning display of um, sublime football, even before Palace contributed to their own downfall with two red cards. Um, and it was magnificent. Uh, and I'm, I'm thinking that Frankie Taylor, who's logged on to join me here, is also in an excellent mood. Frankie, am I correct? Absolutely, mate. Can't go wrong. Three goals, clean sheet and three points. Uh, yeah, who could be better? Well, and what's good about it is our walking wounded. I don't want to say that Marco Silva is um, is a mind games expert in the sort of Sir Alex Ferguson category. But our walking wounded didn't appear to have very much wrong with them. Robinson played, having been a big doubt for this game. Mitrovic was a very big doubt for this game. And he looked like nothing was wrong, was wrong with him. Um and that was the best bit, really, frankly, because all, all week people have been saying, oh, Mitrovic, something's wrong with Mitrovic. He, you know, the, look into my crystal ball, he'll be at Manchester United by the end of January or something. You know, I even saw one thread where somebody congratulated a Serbian Fulham supporter and said, I have great respect for Serbia and tennis, but there's something wrong with Mitrovic. And I, I don't know, I, I wanted to hurl the computer out the window at that point. <laughs> but uh, the brilliant thing is, I, I don't really know what was going on with that. Clearly, they're not fully fit, but they were fit enough. And uh, it was a great performance, a complete away performance, wasn't it, Frankie? I mean, absolutely. It was from the first minute as well. I don't even want to really bring the red cards into discussion in terms of the fixture. I don't think Palace were... Uh... At the races at all, and I think I tweeted that not long after the game. I don't think the red cards were conclusive to the result. I think they were more indicative of Palace not not being at the races. I don't think they were playing at the same pace or intensity. They looked like a side that had just had a month off from football, whereas Fulham were right at it from the very first minute, and it was a quality performance from the first minute to the last. And how many times have we said, you know? It'd be nice for us to start with intensity. We, we, you and I have been talking about Fulham, writing about Fulham for a long time. And we've usually got something to quibble about. You know, if only we could put knit together the perfect 90 minutes. But you're absolutely right. They were brilliant. And I wanted to, to start, really, with what Marco Silva finished with. Um, it was a lovely way to pay tribute to George Cohen. Obviously, you and I are too young to have ever seen him play, but... We're both students of the game and, and have an appreciation of um, uh, of what he's achieved. Um, and it was always going to be very emotional for a lot of Fulham fans. We do have an older fan base in comparison to a lot of clubs. Many supporters will have been there yesterday and watching uh, with their families on Amazon Prime. Um, would, would know George Cohen very well. Um and he was someone who wanted to be adventurous in his play and wanted to play on the front foot. And I thought if anyone encapsulated what George Cohen was about, it was Kenny Tete yesterday in the way that he created that first goal. He got the ball from a generous gift from a former Fulham centre-back. We'll get to that. Overlapped Mitrovic after, after uh, playing it. Uh, and I just thought it was a wonderful 
way for Fulham to to pay tribute to to a man who gave so much to the club, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought Kenny Tete really, uh, really put in the proper performance from the number two um, in the number two shirt yesterday. I mean, it was everything I think the club would want it. Um, it made me quite more emotional than I actually thought it would. Um, just even seeing the other games on on Boxing Day, I think I, I think it was really nice that the Premier League in in general had every single game start with a. Uh, with applause to, to to George Cohen. I mean, I've not heard a, a bad thing to say about the man or the player. Um, and yeah, I think Fulham Fulham did 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 him justice. I think um, I think yesterday, very proud. Yeah, it's a lovely performance, and you're, and you're right, it's a lovely touch in the Premier League. There aren't many of the um, 1966 boys left, and uh, and George was much more than 1966. He was very proud of being a Fulham player I was fortunate enough to have a few conversations with him myself and um, he was always very proud of playing for Fulham um, and being involved with Fulham and I hope that uh, his family um, can take some solace from 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 all those tributes and also the way uh, we still continue to uh, plan to honour his immense legacy to, to the football club um, and we've got into it just a little bit I think we sort of have to start with the people who really set the tone. The team selection was interesting for the reasons we've already discussed, but Bobby Deckled over Reed on the right wing. Frankie, I think you're a fan like I am of um, uh, uh, Bobby and his, his work ethic and his quality. And uh, he had another magnificent game, didn't he? Yeah, I think uh, pre-game, I thought that was our best eleven that Marco Silva had picked um, on current form and current ability. Uh, I think those are the eleven players you want playing out there every week at the moment. And uh, Bobby really, really justified his his spot in the team. I think he's done excellently. Whether he's been playing at right back on on the right or filling in on the left hand side. Um, He's just he's just the player that can do everything. I think every squad would love a Bobby Deck or Dover Reed. Um yeah, he, he was brilliant. It was a lovely header as well to to open up the scoring. Um he's quietly having a very, very good season um so far. He's he's one of those who looks better in the in the Premier League than he does in the in the championship at times. Um he had a really good season uh, the last time we were in the Premier League lashing in a goal against Liverpool as I as I remember in in the home fixture. Um but the goal the first goal, I mean it's a cliche, but obviously it sets the tone. Um and a tone set by Joachim Anderson really rather uncharacteristically with a with a stray pass. Um and I love the fact that Tete's ball to Mitrovic was so inch perfect that Alex just had to, he could just clip it first time. And you do want, we, we return to this, you do wonder uh, when a man with that much natural ability, it, you know, how it is he came to not be in the team when he's just striding out the inside right, right wing channel, whips it over there. And I loved how Bobby, he's not lost the instinct of being a forward. I loved how he galloped into the space that was left by the two centre halves. And it was a great little guide into the corner. Um, yeah. It was a beautiful goal, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it was It was clinical. And I think uh, he got a lot of stick. I remember his first sort of six months at Fulham that he was always in the sort of right right space. But 
he just couldn't he just had no clinicalism about him and you and you sort of wondered like how on earth did he score sort of 20 goals at Bristol City that one season but um yeah he's become a really sort of nice quite a nice finisher really um there was a there was a period where you sort of oh no was don't fall to Bobby don't fall to Bobby but now he is putting them away uh he's our second top scorer and he's played half his games at right back so it's uh it's credit to him um i think it sums up sums up the character he's he's always ready um whether he's been out of the side for a while whether he needs to play right back or or an either flank i feel like he's always prepared himself and he's always up for it and he's always going to put a shift in but yeah it was uh it was just a lovely header it was a poacher's poacher's goal really Beautiful goal. Now, you said you didn't want to talk about the sending off, so I'm not going to do it. The first one um, is a red card all day long. Um, yeah. uh, absolutely. It obviously changes the complexion of the game. I wanted to talk about the comparison between the two managers for a second. Um, we, we don't need to dwell on Marco Silva. He's a genius. Um, <laughs> pa- Patrick Vieira is somebody who was on Fulham shortlist and was interviewed for the job in the summer. Um and I was quite surprised that he ended up at Palace and, and, and did so well in that first um, season. He looked like a rabbit in the headlights uh, yesterday. I don't know if that's a bit too harsh, but it took them a long time to do anything after the left-back got sent off. Um, yeah. And it was yeah, a weird was... team selection from them as well, I thought. Uh, yeah, I was quite. I was very, very surprised about the Palace side we saw. They just didn't look prepared, and I was wondering what what have they been doing for a month? Because they, other than Anderson, I don't think anyone had gone away uh, for the World Cup. So they had the majority of their squad there. They'd played a load of friendlies. I don't quite know what their what their preparations were. They because... played four friendlies for the Fulham, Frankie. That's what had happened. <laughs> yeah, and it was. Um, I think he took way too long to sub off Nathaniel Klein. It was clear that. All that game, we were trying to play that floated ball from the right-hand side over onto Klein's back post. And he was losing that header every single time. He was a liability. Uh, James Tompkins as well, he was playing on that yellow card. He never looked comfortable. He looked like the championship player that I kind of think he is and has been. Um, they just looked really poor. Um, they looked really poor, really unprepared. Um, uh, yeah, it was quite surprising because they had finished the season quite positively. I say the season, I mean pre-World Cup. Um, so, I yeah, mean, I was mate. very yeah, surprised. Yeah. yeah, I was very surprised by just how poor they were. Um, bearing in mind, they were only three points off of us. I think they may have gone above us with a win, um, depending on the goal difference. I don't know what the table looks like. But, um, yeah, they, they looked really poor. They looked like they should have been much further down the table. And it looked like... It looked like Fulham were the team that had been in the Premier League for many, many years, and Palace were the newly promoted rookies of the uh, of the top flight. Um, yeah, I, it it was just shocking. It was a shocking. I'd have been fuming if I was a Palace fan and I wasted my Boxing Day watching them yesterday. I can tell you that many of them were fuming. Not a lot of them were left um, <laughs> at half time. Never mind at, at full time. Um, I, I did it. I Jeff Slup's sort of reinvention as a central midfielder. I mean, that can't last very long, surely. Just as an aside, I thought that was interesting. Now, you've touched on Tompkins. I mean, I don't want to be cruel, but he looked like someone who they plucked out of the crowd to play um, because they only had 10. Um, and he'd not played a Premier League game for a year. And boy, did it show. Um, now, 
I've fallen out with a very good friend of mine this morning who suggested to me via WhatsApp that Mitrovic needed to cut out all this diving that he does and that he'd conned the referee to get Tomkins sent off. And I suggested, because I'm kind and it's, you know, there's still the season of goodwill in my book, that he might need to book an emergency appointment to Specsovers. Um, <laughs> because it, that is, was as clear as day, an elbow to the face, or an arm, leading arm to the face of Mitrovic. Right? Yeah. I don't it's... really... And, and Tomkins gives it the old Oscar-worthy sort of, what? What? Me? What did I do? <laughs> and I'm like... Mate, you know exactly what you've done. You've tried to do it on the blind side of the assistant and far enough away from the referee that you won't see it. And you've got found out. I mean, I don't really understand what... Because it took a long time for them to... It took a long time for Madley to get the red card out. I thought Bobby Reed was going to pull it out of his pocket for him at one point. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting one. I mean, most centre-arts will go for that sort of dark arts sort of block them off and uh, block them off and the referee tend to not give it because he'll be like, oh, you've just run into the back of that, back of that centre half. Like, what do you want me to do? But the arm is in the air and the arm is definitely like aiming towards the head area. It's an absolute second yellow. I can't believe I've seen people criticising the referee performance yesterday uh, because I thought he was spot on with everything. I thought Palace were trying to... uh, break up play quite cynically throughout the first sort of 20 minutes. And that's when Tompkins got his first, uh, first yellow card. And I was like, good, because too often referees just let it happen. They let these teams just kick, kick your ankles away, pre- be really cynical, really slow the game down. Um, and it just disrupts the flow of the flow of the game. And I thought the referee put a stamp to that early. I think he got the both red cards correctly, both the, the Tompkins yellow cards, correct. And I think uh, allowing the Tim Ring goal to stand was a correct decision. I'm sure there's going to be Palace fans that may listen to that and think I'm talking absolute bollocks. But that, I, I honestly thought it was an excellent referee uh, display. I thought he had everything spot on. All right, so, so the only thing I, I'm concerned about with this sort of very laissez-faire refereeing that we've got nowadays is that though the kind of challenges that you're talking in the first 20 minutes from both sides, there were a lot of sort of Strong challenges, okay? And the referees have now got into this thing of where they play advantage for a strong challenge, right? Because the team who had a player fouled still has possession. And then when they play advantage and the team loses possession, the transition goes to the other team. Suddenly they're at the other end of the field and you don't get any advantage. And I'm sort of caught between, I want a strong referee to say, no, you shouldn't tackle like that. I don't want him to give five yellow cards in the first 20 minutes because then you will end up with games of seven aside or eight aside. Um, but yeah, it's it's a difficult one. Um, I, I just wanted to touch on a couple of the other performers. Now, Chloe did the uh, player ratings this morning. I'm glad she did because I'd have just given everyone 10. Um <laughs> because I was that happy about it. Even Burnt Leno would have got a 10, and I don't remember anything that Burnt Leno had to do, apart from look a bit worried because Jordan I cracked one against crossbar. Um, I, I, did, I do want to mention that there were, in, in the typical Fulham performance, there were a couple of hairy moments when Palace had nine men. There were at least two times where Palace got a two-on-two in our box. And then there was that one time where Diop, who was otherwise excellent, 
made a back header that was a little bit short and Zahar was nearly onto it. Leno did have to dash out. And I thought, blimey, Fulham, here we go. Send my heart rate soaring. Why don't you? <laughs> now, we can't have nice things because I support Fulham. Um, and then we did have nice things because people were just excellent. Andreas Pereira, I've seen a few people say he should have scored several goals, and maybe that's true. But he's just brilliant. I love watching Andreas Pereira. He's really flourished into a terrific um, addition to this team, and he's enjoying playing regular football, isn't he? Absolutely. The signing feels inspired. I, I personally got messages of people going, how on earth is this like Man United reject worth 10 million? 10 million is a bargain right now. Uh, I would pay again and again and again. I think he's replaced Fabio Carvalho's uh, work rate. And whilst he hasn't got the similar sort of, I don't know, flair, even though he's not lack, he's not lacking in, in sort of flair and skillful ability, his set pieces are often unbelievable. He had that excellent free kick early on in the game. Uh, he puts in a shift for the team. Yeah, he's been an excellent sign and he had a really good day. It's again one of those games where we could talk through each each one of that starting eleven and go, yep, well played. Very, very good game. There was no one coasting in that game, other than maybe Burn Leno could have played with a deck chair at times. You got the cigars out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um no, and the, the other thing about Pereira or Andreas, as apparently we're supposed to call him, I I I I find fault with that actually. Um is that he really puts the pressure high up the field on the opposition. And there's something interesting, I think, in Marco Silva's interview with Roy Hodgson, which was an interesting addition to sort of post-match analysis, um, was that Fulham had switched who was leading their press because Mitrovic was clearly only about 70% fit. And so it was Pereira who was going and pressing when he wasn't dropping in into a deeper position to sit to to pressurise Decore and, and Schlupp. You know, that meant he was everywhere. Um, as was Harrison Reed. I'm not going to go through the whole team. They were all wonderful. <laughs> I, I would pay 10 million euros. I think it was 10 million euros rather than 10 million pounds just because Andreas Pereira can take a corner. And I don't even yeah. mean as well as he does because how long have we waited for someone who can, you know, put beat the first man from a from a corner. It's been a long time. And hey, presto, we scored from a corner again. And you, you mentioned this earlier. It did stand, Frankie. And I'm pleased about that uh, for many reasons, but mostly for Tim Ream, who produced a... First of all, he turned Jockey Anderson, as I wrote in the match report, like a teenager on a dance floor. Um, <laughs> it was quite something. And then he produced a finish that Tom Kearney, who has a great left foot, would have loved to lash that high into the net like that. Where has Tim Ream been hiding these half volleys? Uh, I didn't know about it in his locker. What's going on here? He's aging like a fine wine. It's unbelievable, the, the season and the calendar year he's having. Um, let's remember, he's 35 years old. He's 35 years old. He had an excellent first half of the season, which saw him go to the World Cup with America after not being in the squad for a year, I think it was. Uh, he's now got his first Premier League goal. He's one of the first names on the uh, on the team sheet. 
He's, he's 35. It's, unbe- it's unbelievable. It, it's a serious, like, I, I, I don't even know how to describe it. He's to be, to be, this is the age where players are supposed to be winding down. Um, not not Tim Reed, not Tim Reed. It's probably a testament to the work ethic he puts in. It was great news to see he's uh, signed a new deal. Um, he's going to be with us till the end of 2024. I personally would like to see another year on top of that and we get the Tim Reed testimonial um, because I think he deserves that deserves that moment at Craven College. Oh, they're not going to get rid of him now. I mean, look, look. Uh, uh, the only way I can put this, Frankie, in, in my view, is I turned 37 um, a couple of weeks ago, right? And I'm thinking about lacing the boots back up and going out there again <laughs> because Tim Ream has inspired me to think, you know, there's life in the old dog yet. Now there isn't because my knees are, um, are, are worse than, uh, than anybody's really. Um, so I won't be playing, I won't be kicking a football ever again, but um, he's magnificent and it's just a wonderful story because He's, he, there was a, he did a lovely interview after the Manchester United game with NBC before he went to the World Cup. It basically just boiled down to don't give up, keep going, yeah. you know who. And in life, as well as in professional sport, nice guys don't always finish first, you know. And Tim Ream is an exceptionally nice man. And He's delivering at a very high level, and there's absolutely no reason why he can't keep doing it, especially if he's going to do things like that. I mean, he looks to he looks to have sort of um, got ten years younger than than the last time we saw him in the in the in the Premier League. It, it's remarkable, um, and I do want to finish with the uh, with. So so let's just clear up this business about as best as I can understand it. Um, so. The corner goes to the back post. Mitrovic heads it. It hits somewhere in his arm region. It also hits uh, Joel Ward's arm. It bounces down and then Ream scores. And according to the new directive, if Mitrovic had scored, then there would have been a case for disallowing the goal because it's the Fulham immediately profit from a potential handball. But because the handball, because there's a new phase of play, you're allowed to, that, that's considered a goal, right? Which, by the letter of the directive, means the VAR made a mistake in telling the referee to go and look at it. But, you know, I'm already boring and confusing myself. So <laughs> let's not, let's not uh, carry on with that. Let's talk about the third goal, which I really enjoyed because it featured some of my favourite things. A Kenny Tete overlap, a nice little lift to the back post. There was your man, William. I've seen some people saying he absolutely slashed the shot. I just think he's trying to get that ball back in an area, in a position of maximum opportunity. And there's your man, Mitrovic. He ain't going to miss from there. He's got 10 goals for the season. Not bad for someone who can't do it in the Premier League, Frankie. Absolutely. I mean, he's 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 been excellent. He's silenced anyone that doubted that he could do it in the in the Premier League. I think we all heard it in the summer. I've got questions as as sort of work and friends saying, "Oh, can he do it in the Premier League?" The only people that doubted whether Mitrovic could 
were outside of the Craven Cottage bubble. I don't think there was many Fulham fans, if any, that were doubting what he could do at the top level. Uh, and he's showing it. Um, and and I feel like if you were if you were part of that, Mitrovic can't do it in the Premier League. Um, Chorus, yeah, yeah, whatever you want to call them. I feel like you've just jumped on a bandwagon that was out there from one or two media members. It then carried on. People started developing this sheep opinion. I think if you doubted him, I honestly don't think you know anything about football. Um, I don't think, I don't think you can doubt his abilities, talent, and he's silencing everyone. Um, and that's uh, I'm going to CC Leanne Sanderson into that one. Yeah, I, 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 there are some people who who make uh, an idiot of themselves on a regular basis for holding on for just giving you nonsensical opinions um, because they're not willing to to open their eyes. Um, I, I deal with quite a lot of these people, um, and it's just not worth engaging with their with their pointlessness. There is um, greater significance to that goal, the third goal that Fulham scored yesterday, because it was Fulham's twenty seventh Premier League goal of the season. Uh, that is the same total that Fulham managed the last time they were in the Premier League when we didn't play Alexander Mitrovic as regularly, um, and there are twenty two games left. So we've matched the Scott Parker tally already, which sort of shows the depravity of that football that we all endured um, uh, under the gentleman who was one of the summarisers in an interesting performance um, for Arsenal against West Ham. But we'll leave that for um, another podcast. I wanted to touch on an, on another statistic uh, before I let you go, Frankie, and that is that Yesterday's win at Crystal Palace was our first away win in a London top flight derby since the last time we won at Crystal Palace when Python Kasami's wonder goal sparked a flurry of Fulham goals. Um, and that's mad because I think that was one of the first away games that Shahid Khan attended after purchasing yes, the yeah. football club. And, you know... The fact that we can win and get a clean sheet away from home, and now you look at the we're, we're ten points above the relegation zone. I know the table is a bit in flux because teams are playing on different days and all, all of that kind of thing. Um, we're currently above uh, the other team in Fulham. Um, we're making some nice progress. And it looks like we we belong at, at this level, and that's just really nice, isn't it? It it, it does. I mean, I had the uh, I I was working yesterday, but the the fortune of Amazon Prime being able to watch uh, the other fixtures, um, uh, and some of these other teams do look very very poor. I mean, West Ham. I don't know quite know what's happened to them this season. David um, Moyes like has come to them this season. That's what's happened. Yeah, it looks like a complete rebuild is required there. Um, it, like even like a Leicester, they got pumped at home to Newcastle. Southampton look dead in the water at the moment. Steady on, uh, we'll steady see- on. That's who we've got next. <laughs> don't kill them yet. Oh, I know what's happening. Nathan Jones, who I don't think highly of as a manager anyway, is going to get one nil at Craven Cottage. I'm going to look like a right player. I'm going to look like Leon Anderson, Sanderson, whatever her name is. Um, 
Wolves managed to nick a nick a win at Everton, even though both sides look appalling. Um, so yeah, I, I I feel very comfortable, and it's a bizarre situation. I, I had the fault at one 0 yesterday, even though Palace were down to nine men. It was just like, please score a second. I, yeah, me I, both. I'm, I'm nervous until I'm nervous whilst it's one nil. Um, so I mean, Fulham will Fulham. They'll do they'll do what they do, but. I'm feeling very confident about this season. I'm feeling very comfortable. I think we've built ourselves a nice gap, um, but we still need to keep going. Have to beat Southampton um, on New Year's New Year's Eve. Um, be nice to get something from Leicester. I think it's nice to get anything from any away games in the Premier League. Um, there's never any, never a bad point away from home in the Premier League, um, no matter what the team you're playing. Um, so yeah, it'd be it'd be really nice to give the restart that big big cushion um as we as we get into sort of the FA Cup coming back around and I'm really looking forward to that game at home to Chelsea, especially if they don't look like uh turning it around as they would like after the uh after the World Cup break. So um yeah, it'd be nice yeah, to I get mean, finally look, a win over Chelsea. Well, wouldn't it be lovely? I mean I, I still reminisce about the uh the time that uh, we, we did beat Chelsea when our current assistant manager scored a, a wonderful goal and uh, my friends and I celebrated in the Golden Lion and the then Golden Lion's owner's son was a Chelsea fan and took exception to it. Um, and I was banned along with about 30 other Fulham fans who are regulars in Golden Lion because we had the temerity to um, to uh, sing Louis Beaumorte's name over and over and over again. <laughs> um, and so I, I've been invited to the Golden Lion on Saturday. I haven't been back. Um, and I, I'm not sure I'm going to go because, you know, that's just me. I just, yeah. Don't, but, but yeah, I, I've dined out on that tactical masterclass from Chris Coleman, by the way, putting Steed Malbronk on Claude McAlealy was an absolute masterclass. Um, and... There we are. I wanted to finish with one more thing, Frankie. It is seven years, count them, seven years today since Fulham appointed Slavisi Jakanovic as our head coach. And Slavisi Jakanovic played some of the most stylish football until Marco Silva turned up in SW6. Um, and it was a remarkable period, and I just wanted to ask you for a brief reflection on Slavisa Jakanovic, because I think you're a Slav disciple, just like I was. Yeah, I am. I think he was a great. Uh, it was a great move for the for the football club. One of the few managers we've actually gone and uh, got from another club. We've not just found someone who is available. Um, we we again no no uh, negotiations with uh, with a. Uh, Opposing team, and I think he really set the ball rolling on being that modern championship team where you can get promoted with style, you can score goals for fun, and and be a sexy championship team. Uh, I mean, the entertainers, what a fun year that was! He took us to Wembley for the first time since uh, since the FA Cup final. What was it, seventy five? I honestly can't right, remember. Yeah, seventy five. Yeah, yeah. There we go. On. Look at that. I mean the performances he was he like players improved. I mean Tom Kearney he turned into a leading championship player, and I think at one point in those years we probably could have got thirty million for him. Not that I would have wanted to sell him, but those were the numbers I think that were being batted about. I think he really set the ball rolling for 
many of these players and it's a really it's a quite an iconic era for this this generation i mean we've got cult heroes from those from those years dennis adoy kevin mcdonald mr kearney reem even someone like lucas pearson's thought still thought of i think quite highly around uh craven cottage definitely yeah he bled through uh ryan sesson young as well uh, it was just, it was a lot of fun those years. I know it didn't quite work out in the Premier League for a number of reasons. We'll need a whole other podcast to go through that one. Um, but yeah, he, he was a, he was a great man. He brought the fun back to Fulham. Um, and I think he really, yeah, he, he set the foundations for, for this, for this season, really. I think you can all link it back to Slavica Jakanovic. Superb, mate. Look, I've really enjoyed it. Um, it's been uh, terrific to, to chat with you as always, Frankie. Hope you enjoy the rest of your, if you get any more festive period, I doubt it, given the line of work, work that you're in. Um, and we'll build up to Southampton. Frankie, thanks so much. And uh, hopefully we'll get another three points on New Year's Eve. Absolutely. Thanks, mate. This pod, podcast is always easier with three points in the back, mate. Appreciate Isn't it. it. I'll have to uh, let the lads know at Motspur Park that it's a necessity. Um, fantastic. <laughs> Thanks very much to Frankie. Thanks to all of you for, for listening and all of your comments at Selhurst Park um, yesterday. They're very much appreciated. Have a brilliant uh, rest of your festive period and see you at Craven Cottage on New Year's Eve when we'll pay tribute to George Cohen and see the Whites take on Southampton. Come on, you Whites. <laughs>